Now, um, today, I'm sure you're aware, we're not just beginning a new year, we're actually beginning a new decade, right? So, I, you know, I thought, what would it be like to look back and what was going on 10 years ago? 10 years ago, we didn't have smart speakers or Apple Watches or Doritos Locos Tacos. You know that? We didn't have those. Very important, very important. It didn't exist, and a lot of people were still on MySpace because Instagram had just launched. Can you believe that 10 years ago? iPads hit the market 10 years ago. Venmo, Uber, and Mar Marvel, Universe, Marvel Universe were just starting. 10 years ago, the way you took a selfie is you held a digital camera into a mirror and you clicked it. <laughs> Do you believe that? Now, yeah, it's a whole different thing now, isn't it? Chuck Norris jokes were the rage. Some people were still arguing that Blackberries were better than iPhones. And most of us didn't even know what a meme was. How many of you know what a meme is? Yeah? Okay, most of you. Who knows what life will look like 10 years from now? But we'd have never guessed 10 years ago some of the things we're doing now, and I'm pretty sure that's going to be true again. So uh, maybe you're like most people. You have you know, a New Year's resolution. I can tell you I looked up what are most people's New Year's resolution about. Most people's New Year's resolution is about this year I want to manage money better. This year I want to, whatever it is, nutrition, exercise, you know, I want to live healthier. This year I want to live life to the fullest. You know, I don't want to be so inhibited. This year I want to have better relationships. That's what most New Year's resolutions are about. But I, I've, I've got a question for you and your own New Year's ambitions. Have you put prayer in there anywhere? Do you have any goals about prayer? Do you have any ambitions about prayer? Prayer is one of the most important things that you and I can do while we're on earth. Now, that's not to say that we're good at it. And it's not to say that we really understand it that much. Prayer is one of the most mysterious activities we can do. In one sense, it kind of sums up all that Christianity is. Because the Bible says, when I am weak, I am strong. And prayer can feel like that. Prayer can feel like you're doing nothing. You're like, I'm just talking in the air. I can't see who I'm talking to. I can't touch who I'm talking to. And I don't even really know the right way to talk to him. Kind of like throwing a penny in a wishing well. But prayer is the most important thing. We, 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 we feel no physical connection oftentimes. We see no physical response. But we're connecting to God in another dimension that's larger and more real than ours. Prayer is the most helpless and powerful activity you can do. Prayer is it's the most humble and authoritative thing that a Christian can do. Now, maybe you've wondered, as I have before, I wonder if I'm even praying right. Like, like I wonder if my prayers make a difference. Well, you're in good company if you've ever asked those questions because the disciples surely felt inadequate in their own prayer life. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1, where we've grabbed the title for this series, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. That is a great prayer. And that is a great New Year's resolution. It's a great confession. God, when I look at you, 
And then I look at me. I can see that you are touching a spiritual reality that I don't feel adequate to touch. So God, teach me to pray. Teach me to touch it. Teach me to reach in and be touched by it. And Jesus' answer to the disciples' request was the Lord's Prayer. Now, this is the greatest prayer ever written because it was the one that Jesus gave us to pray. And, and not only did, did Jesus think that, not only does the Scripture seem to lay that out, a lot of church fathers thought that. St. Augustine once said, whatever else we say when we pray, if we pray as we should, we're only saying what is already contained in the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> so the Lord's Prayer is like a prayer capsule. It is the kingdom of God in miniature. To explore the Lord's Prayer is to explore the kingdom of God and to know it in its fullness. Paul Youngie Cho, who you may have never heard of, uh, pastored the largest church in world history, uh, Yodio Full Gospel Tabernacle in Seoul, South Korea, is a church of a million people. Uh, can you imagine the, the metro population of Birmingham in one church? That's what that church is. He's the pastor of that church, and he was once asked, how do, how do you become more godly, and how do you have more power in prayer? And here's what Cho said. He said, I pray the rounds. Like a runner who jogs around and around a racetrack to get physically fit, I pray through the Lord's Prayer several times every day. And it does something to my spirit. So this morning, as we, as we read the Lord's Prayer, as we say the Lord's Prayer, I want to ask you to... I want to ask you to say it with me. I want to ask you just to stand for a moment. And I, I'm going to put the Lord's Prayer on the screen. And, and I want us to uh, say it together. Are you ready? Let's say it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You can be seated. When the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, I want you to catch this. This prayer was Jesus' way of teaching the disciples how to pray. Now think about it. They didn't say, give us a prayer to pray. They said, teach us how to pray. And Jesus' answer was this prayer. So during January, we're going to be talking about the Lord's Prayer and asking the question, why did Jesus give us this prayer to pray? What was it he wanted us to learn about prayer from this prayer? And during January, we're going to break the Lord's Prayer apart into four sections. The first one we're going to look at today is verse 9 and 10. So what did Jesus want us to know about prayer? If you're taking notes, let me give you three quick things. Number one, prayer starts with relationship. See, prayer is a relational exercise. It's not a religious exercise. It's not a ritual or an obligation or guilt or fear. Prayer is personal and it's honest and it's grace-filled and it's refreshing. Prayer, prayer is about God and what kind of God he is. 
He is a God of love that extended his grace to us through the sacrificial death of his only son. What kind of God would do that? Look at verse 9 again. I'll tell you the kind of God. Our Father. Now just stop there for a minute. Jesus tells us when you pray, here's how you need to talk to God. Talk to him like this. Our Father. Not overlord, not taskmaster, not bully, father. Now this word, you may have heard this, this word in the Greek original language the New Testament was written in for father is the word Abba, and the word Abba is more than father. It's not just the person who made your birth possible, and it's not just the person that raised you. Abba was the name in Jerusalem that children called their father when they were in their home or alone with family. So I want you to think about this for a minute. Jesus uh, gave us this word Abba, as an insider title for Father. So when you pray, pray like an insider. You're not an outsider. We are the chosen, we're the accepted, we're the redeemed, we're the adopted. God has put his hand on you and called you his own. You're his son and your daughter. And when you pray, come to God like an insider. Abba! Not almighty, transcendent, Somewhere lost in the universe, God. The closest English translation we have for the word Abba is Daddy. Daddy God. Daddy God is who Jesus prayed to in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. When he said, Daddy God, that's the word that he chose. If there's any other way, he used the inside title, the inside voice. Now, all of us had imperfect fathers, and all, all of us who are dads are imperfect fathers. But some of us had it worse than others. For some of us to think about God like a daddy or a father doesn't quite sit right. It conjures up these images and thoughts of a selfish or a broken person or maybe an overbearing, angry, unpleasable person, maybe a bully or an aggressive abuser, maybe someone who is physically or emotionally just checked out. And to the degree that any of that is true for you, you have to embrace a new understanding of Father. And Jesus understood that because inside the Lord's Prayer, he put a new understanding of Father. Look at verse 9 again. He said, our Father in heaven. Who is he talking about? This Father, this Daddy God that we're talking about is in heaven. He's not from earth and he's not like any father that's ever lived on earth. He's loving and patient and faithful and wise and he's never too busy and he's always present and he always cares and he always listens and he's always for you. So today as you start this new year, you might need to embrace a new understanding of God. He's not overbearing and harsh and and doesn't demand that you live up to some imperfect standard that you can't outside of his grace live up to. So how, if you had pretty broken father, 
how in the world are you ever supposed to pray to God as a father? Well, let me give you a, a couple of thoughts. Pray to him like you would talk to a trusted friend or a wise counselor or a confidant or like you're in a safe place where you are accepted and you are known and you are loved. Daddy God. What should we say to this Daddy God? What did Jesus want us to know about prayer? Prayer's based on relationship number two. Prayer is worship. Prayer is worship. The word worship means worth-ship. It, it denotes something's value. It denote, denotes the priority of something. So we start prayer with God's worthiness before we pray about anything else. When we do that, we make it clear that He is God and we are not. That God alone deserves our heart's greatest worship. Look at verse 9 again. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name. Once you understand who this daddy God is, the only appropriate response is to worship him. Now this word hallow is a funny word because we really don't use it in our culture very often at all. But what, what hallowed means, the original word is often translated holy. Hallowed, holy. It means Something that's different than the normal thing, than the common, than the usual. It's set apart or separate. It's different. So the Bible says that we're supposed to remember the Sabbath day and keep it hallowed. Or keep it holy. Or it's not like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's Sunday. It's the Sabbath. It's a separate day. It's a different day. It's a holy day. So... What, what Jesus is teaching us about prayer is let's let God's name be treated differently from all other names. See, the Lord's prayer is, is about God. It's not about us, his kingdom, his name, his will. The Lord's prayer gives us the freedom to express our own needs and our own desires. But what good are our needs if God is not who he is? Then it's nothing more than a wishing well. So before we pray about anything else, it's good to, to connect with our Father in relationship and then lift up our eyes and our voice in worship. I read a story this week about a woman who was deeply depressed and sought out the help of a psychiatrist. And after meeting five times, he gave her a very unusual prescription. He said, go to Niagara Falls, check into a motel. And other than, don't skip meals, but other than eating meals, I want you to stand at the foot of Niagara Falls and I want you to stare at it all day, every day for five days, and I want you to contemplate its awesome power. The, the woman erupted, I can't believe this, I pay you $100 an hour for this. And the doctor calmly explained the prescription, he said, I've seen you for five sessions, I've mostly listened and you've mostly talked. All you talk about is you, your dreams, your hurts, your failures, your guilt, your fear, and what you need to get well is to see something bigger than yourself. Something happens when we worship. We see something bigger than ourselves. His name is holy. My name is just a handle. <laughs> My name is human. And it's a handle, and it's a word people use to get my attention or to identify me. But his name is holy. 
I, I'm, recently I watched an interview with Kevin Hart, who's a wildly famous comedian, and he was talking about the um, Netflix special, I think it's on Netflix that he's released, and I'm, I'm not endorsing it, I haven't seen it, but I was captured by the interview. In the interview, several times, he was asked questions about why did you want to do this and why did you do it and all of this. And he said something two or three times in the interview that just caught my attention. He said, I want my kids to know that the heart, H-A-R-T, the heart name means something. I want my kids to know that I, you know, left an impact or whatever, that the heart name, he kept saying, the heart name means something. Can I... Can I just say something to you this morning about that? Maybe there are a few names that stick out above other names, like Kevin Hart. But a hundred years from now, nobody is going to know who his name is, but there will still be millions of people in every nation on earth, in every language on earth, raising up and lifting up the name of God because his name is holy, his name is hallowed, our name is human. And they'll still be doing it. Hallowed be his name. When you pray, remember that prayer starts with relationship. When you pray, remember that prayer is worship. And remember who you are worshiping, and he is different than everybody else you know. And he's to be treated differently than everybody else you know. Now look at verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. One application of this verse is a prayer for Jesus' return. In other words, your kingdom come. God, bring your kingdom to the earth in full. In other words, it's a prayer for the return of Christ. It's a longing to finally, once and for all, to be set free from this broken world of sin and shame and dysfunction and sadness and crying and fear. It's a cry inside. There's, we're going to stand here one day. We're going to be here, and it's going to be New Year's, and there's not going to be any more New Year's. And there's not going to be any more over, starts over. There's not going to be any more resolutions. It's going to be over. And, and this one perfectly... Uh, acceptable application of this prayer is a prayer that, that this beautiful and powerful thing will happen. That God will finally make everything right. But there's also another application. Some translations say, in the earth rather than on the earth. Look at uh, verse 10 in the, in the King James. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth. Now, if this is the word, if the word in is the closest to what Jesus meant, then there's a whole other powerful application that we could be missing. What would in the earth mean? It doesn't mean inside the planet. It doesn't mean journey to the center of the earth. Maybe we find the answer in the creation story. You remember when God created Adam and Eve, he made them from the dirt. Or, or said another way, from the earth. So when we pray this prayer, it becomes a passionate heart cry for inner transformation through total submission to the will of God. What did Jesus intend for us to learn about prayer when he gave us this prayer? Number three, prayer is a cry for God's will. Instead of praying for a new earth, 
If it is to be read in, I'm praying that the earth that is in me will be new. See, what you and I really don't need is a New Year's resolution. I already looked it up. Listen, the gym will be crowded for about two weeks. You know this. And in two weeks, they're gone. The grocery store is going to pack up all the diet food about the third week of January because all the Valentine's candy's coming out. Right? It's over. It's over. And they know this. They know this. All the, you know, machines and trappings and weight and all, all that's going to be gone. It's all for sale right now. But it's all going to be gone. You know why? Because, because the average New Year's resolution lasts less than three weeks. Actually, I think January 21st is the most, uh, according to psychologists, the most depressing day of the year because it's when most people give up. So here's what you don't need. What you don't need is new determination. You don't need new commitment. What you need is a new you. What you need is the earth that is you, the dirt that is you, to become transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, and you actually have a new you. That's what you and I need. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth. How about in my earth? As it is in heaven. This is a heart cry for personal transformation, but not just for God's will to be done in the earth that's me, but God, God's will to be done in all the earth. So this is a prayer for missionaries and for churches to be planted, for the gospel to go viral in the end of the earth, for bondage to cease and people imprisoned in darkness and shame to be set free. It's a cry for God's agenda and for God's plan to come to pass. It's a surrender and a passionate pursuit of the way God wants things to be. Don't tell me what your New Year's resolution is. Tell me what God's is. What does God want to happen? That's what this prayer, it, isn't it interesting? We haven't even got, most of the things we pray about, we had not even got to yet. What do you think that means? Jesus taught us to pray this way, and when his life was under the greatest pressure, he prayed this way himself. When it became clear that there was only one way for the people on earth who his father loved to be set free, then Jesus prayed this way. Matthew 26 Verse 39, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, Daddy God, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will. Not my New Year's resolution, but God yours. Look at verse 42. He went away a second time and prayed, Daddy God. If it is not possible for this cup to be taken away from unless I drink it, may your will be done. When is the last time your prayer life got totally engulfed in the will of God? God, let your will be done in this earth that's me. Not fix this, help this, change this, arrange this, relieve me of this. God, your will. Your will. I was so captured a few years ago when we sent a missions team to Indonesia. And um, there was a small group of people there. I mean, it's heavily. I, I think the most saturated uh, Muslim nation on earth. And um, we sent a team there to help construct a small building that would be used as a church. And because of political turmoil and some other things... 
the church wasn't able to be built. We had the materials, we had the team, but there was a holdup that we couldn't change. And uh, our uh, team went and sat with some of the members of the church. And they sat on the floor in a little living room, and they shared lunch together. And as they shared lunch, they just began to pray and cry when they heard the news the building couldn't go. Church couldn't move forward. And and our team was so um, moved and sensitive to them, they just sat with them in prayer. And, And they were moved to tears and grief. And what were they grieved over? They were grieved over the reality that God's kingdom couldn't move forward through that local church because they knew it was the only hope for their relatives and friends. God just captured my heart and I thought, when's the last time you became so engulfed in the will of God, you said, God, please this year, please this year, this county is sliding away from God. Please, God, do something inside this church that will reach the people that are just floating around this community that are outside of the will, outside of the kingdom, outside of the love of God. Please, God, do something. When's the last time you pleaded with him, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven heaven and start in this pile of dirt right here when's the last time it's so outside our thinking so how how could we pray this first part of the lord's prayer i don't know maybe you don't want to come back now it's too intense how could we pray it here's a way father be the king of my life May my whole life be yours to rule. Be the king of every distracted and destructive part of me. Every lustful thought, every ounce of hate and fear until your kingdom fills me. I surrender every well of evil inside me and I pray your kingdom will fill their place. I pray your will to be done, your plan, your timing, and your way. Your will is better than mine and better than anyone's. And I'm not just submitting to your will. I cry for it in my life. May your will be done in the earth of me. That's not too bad. Would you... Would you just stand with me this morning and close your eyes? Just a minute, the worship team's coming. and I wanted to end this service in worship. Because I think ending this service in worship is the best way to start the year. And I wanted us to do what we talked about. I wanted us to connect with our Father and to hallow his name, to lift, lift him up. We already have. I know we have. But I just wanted us to do it one more time before we leave. Before we do that, with every eye closed, I want to give you an opportunity just to pray right where you are. And, and you can pray as we sing this song too. I wonder this morning if you've surrendered your dreams to God's will. You know, when we were on the... Um, Thank you.
ski retreat this past week, we had communion on New Year's Eve right at midnight. It was wonderful. And Pastor Jeremy asked all the young people to go around and just share how they wanted this year to be different. And one of the young people, I was so captured by their thought, they said, you know, I've, I've committed so much of my life and going through high school and, you know, trying to get a scholarship and all this, I've committed so much of my life to my dream. I haven't really spent much time thinking or asking God to tell me what his dream for my life is. And I, I wonder, there's got to be some number of people here that you're in that exact situation. All your thoughts so far, if you're honest, have gone toward what you're going to do for yourself or your family or your job. Or, and God's not against advancement and improvement and all those things. He's for those things. In the right context. And I wonder maybe this morning how many of you would say, I've just never surrendered my dreams to God's dream. Maybe your life is going exactly the way you want it. Or it's good enough. But you're so busy doing your own thing that if you were honest, you'd say, God's not the most important thing. If that's you, I want, I want to pray today that God will touch you and help you. And that this fast, this 21 days of prayer, this beginning of the new year, will do something new in the earth that is you. Maybe you're here and you have no prayer goals. Maybe you're, you're one of the nearly 50% of people that rarely pray except when you're in church. And um, maybe today it's time for you to surrender. Maybe today, maybe it's been guilt that has held you back or shame or condemnation or busyness or whatever. But maybe it's time for you to surrender that part of your life and say, God, I want to live a personal relationship with you. I don't just want to go to heaven. I want to know you now. Maybe, maybe you need a new start. To be honest with you, if you're not very close to God or maybe you don't even know if you know him, Christianity only has one message for you. And it's this, surrender to God. We don't have another message. And when you surrender to God, He will give you life, and He will give you peace, and He will give you forgiveness, and He will give you wholeness and joy and freedom. But it starts with you giving your life to Him. Maybe you have circumstances you're trying to solve on your own, and you've never given them to Him. Or you haven't given them to Him recently. I just want to say a simple prayer. And then we're going to sing. And if, if you are in any of those categories, you need God's will to move in. <laughs> I just want you to reach out to him in prayer. And I'm, and I'm going to pray over you. And uh, you, you connect with him too. And then we'll lift our eyes up in worship, okay? Lord, I, I pray today for every person who's just, if they were honest, most of their time and energy goes into building the life that they want. But they haven't really considered the life that you want for them.
God, I ask you now, as they come to a moment of surrender, that you would begin to take the weight off of their shoulders of living the burden of being their own boss and being the commander and the, the, the chief of their own life. And God, today you would move in as Lord and King. And this year would be new for them because they would begin to be guided and directed by you in the biggest and smallest decisions of their life. Lord, I, I just pray over the one this morning who hasn't really learned to connect with you in their own in their own relationship, their own prayer. God, I pray today that you'd begin to give words and begin to give guidance and begin to give baby steps and direction. God, that they would begin to feel a magnetic pull from you to just be with you and spend time with you. And they'd find themselves thinking about you when they hadn't before. And they'd recognize this is the Holy Spirit inviting me into deeper fellowship. And Lord, I, I pray over the one who this morning maybe needs a new start. God, I pray today that you would allow the one who hasn't known forgiveness or hasn't known love or hasn't known uh, the life of God that can be lived now. Lord, as, as that person prays with me now and surrenders and says, God, I, I surrender to you. I give you my life. I give you my heart. Lord, I pray you'd move in with joy now, freedom. For the one who's been carrying a burden, but they've been trying to do it alone, God, as they surrender and give that burden to you, Lord, I pray you'd lift the weight off their shoulders and let them begin to feel the power of God moving through their life, that your promise is true. You would never leave us and never forsake us. And now, Lord, we lift up our eyes, we lift up our voice, and, Lord, we just begin to worship you. As the worship team begins to lead us, come on, would you just...